0: Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and Abvi In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine, to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait, join the Head Start embracing the journey and learn a little more about life with chronic migraine. In every pair of Tacoba's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort and timeless Western style.
1: cast up rolling Little food for your soul for your
0: soul Life ain't always pretty, but hey,
1: it's pretty beautiful thing.
0: Laugh a little more Tight, Tighten up your EK, your you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, everybody. I am pumped for this episode because my therapist is on for all four things. Uh, we touch on rage. We touch on boundaries. Uh, and then I've got two emails as the third and fourth thing. One of the emails is a continued conversation of when you're having tough talks with people and trying not to use you, you did this and you do that, and yeah, but more so, I feel this when this happens. So we dig into that a little bit more. And then I have another email from a listener that was pretty personal. I'm flattered when y'all email me for my advice, but sometimes I don't feel equipped to give you an answer, so I thought it was fitting for a professional to address uh, this particular email. Uh, So yeah, that's the four things. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, I just have to give a shout out to my girl Brittany, Brittany Spencer. She has come on the podcast before. She has a beautiful voice, and she recently wrote a song called compassion and put it out. And I highly encourage you to go download it. I have had the song on repeat. It is amazing. Listen to every word and have compassion for yourself, for others. We need more compassion. And I'm going to play 30 seconds of the song right now because that's all I'm allowed to play here on the podcast. But I hope that you'll head to iTunes and buy the song and help support our girl, Brittany. I don't know if y'all remember her from a couple of months ago when Black Lives Matter stuff was, uh, really, uh, heating up and it's still a very important conversation, but she helped walk me through that first episode of having the tough conversations and she's amazing. So if you didn't hear that episode, I would, go back and listen to that. I don't have the episode number for you, but Brittany Spencer is her name. And a lot of times, if you just search that into wherever you listen to podcasts, names will show up and that episode should show up. Okay, here's the song, Compassion, Brittany Spencer. Have your
1: fun And share it with everyone you love Raise your kids. I'm gonna
0: Okay, so beautiful. Told y'all, get the song and you will have it on repeat because that's what I've been doing the last few days and it's been so soothing for me. So tag me on Instagram if you get the song or if you even go on Instagram in your stories, you can look up compassion if you type it into the little music icon and then you can play it in your stories and tag Brittany, tag me, just show her some support because she's just an amazing person and I wanna throw some love her way and y'all are amazing at helping me do that. Uh, Speaking of throwing love people's way, uh, Stevenson's 10th birthday is coming up on Monday. So just a few days away. August 10th, his calm down shirts will be up to send love down to Haiti. The orphanage where he grew up is what is supported by these shirts. We've done chill out for his eighth birthday. We did relax for his ninth birthday. And we're doing calm down for his 10th birthday. So he used to go around saying that all the time. Chill out, relax, calm down. So this is the final shirt. I hope y'all love it. We think the design is super cute and make sure that you shop on Monday because pretty much we only have it for sale on his birthday. Okay. Hope you are doing great and let's get started with today's episode. Here you go.
1: First thing. So
0: Catherine, let's break down rage and I'll use me as an example because for me, the last couple of years, I have experienced rage. I've talked about it on the Bobby Bone Show. I've talked about it on the podcast and I thought it was hormonal, but you as my therapist disagree. So <laughs> the reason why this came up And I thought it would be important to discuss is because if anyone else is on a journey of letting go of something that helped suppress or numb their feelings and emotions, like I had an eating disorder and it was about... A year and a half to two years ago that I really started working on it. I read a book that changed my thinking or it was helping me work on changing my thinking. That's when I read Brain Over Binge. And then I started really putting in the work when I started incorporating some of Lisa's tips from Fork the Noise. Then I met you, you know, through Outway. It may not be an eating disorder, but you may have something else that you use to numb feelings. And when I started to take care of that problem, then I had feelings surface. Right, Catherine? Yeah. (laughs) and what are these things (laughs) and then I had rage that's how it was manifesting for me it may come up in other ways for somebody else but it came up recently in a session with Catherine because I was proud of myself and I had to tell her how I had I was in a situation details don't matter but it sent me into this feeling of, oh, I want to slam my coffee cup on the ground right now and it's going to feel so good. But I didn't do it. And I was so proud of myself, but I pictured myself doing it. (laughs) But then my body processed it and I was able to breathe and I stayed calm and it was a whole thing. So I was telling Catherine about my progress. So let's break down, we're using rage as an example, but I assume there could be a variety well, of reactions to the feelings. Yeah. And I think it's important
1: to mention that rage looks different in different people.
0: Yes. So where you
1: want to throw something, some people end up being super passive aggressive and that can still be rage. It's just a different kind of rage. I can go at this a couple of different ways because what did you say when you feel rage, what do you think it means? Like what is that feeling for you?
0: for a a while, I thought it was hormonal. So I kind of just thought it was, I was me being crazy and not being able to control anything and overreacting for no reason. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm dialing in, I see that there is a reason. And really Mm -hmm. I was reacting to fear of Mm -hmm. my situation and Mm -hmm. that made me scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then I want to throw something like a toddler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay, so and it, so if we backtrack, and we've talked about this before in the show about feelings and what happens to them, and you explained this right there when you said when you let go of some of your numbing behaviors, this stuff started coming up, and that's really your emotions start coming up because those behaviors are getting rid of whether it's anger, sadness, loneliness, whatever was unsafe or didn't feel good in your family, that's getting rid of that. Well, you've lived a long life of not feeling that and not really being able to recognize this is this. This is this. When this happens, I feel sad. When this happens, I feel scared. So everything feels overwhelming. So as you're letting these emotions come back in right now, you're like, now I can feel, but I still haven't figured out which feeling is what. It just feels like a lot, right? Right. What really, without giving the details of it, what really was happening? You said I I felt like a toddler. What really was happening inside
0: of you? I was processing the situation. I was mm-hmm. I feel like my feelings were valid, mm-hmm. but my reaction was different than maybe somebody else's would have mm-hmm. been because I was having a response to the situation. I don't know, is it okay for me to have that response or if I continue to do more work, would I not feel the anger? It was more anger, frustration, sadness, irritated. There's a lot of feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. And so what really happens to us when we, because all of us, whether we want to believe it or not, we've all had experiences of like, ah, like rageful feelings. We really dial it back and we sit and we ask ourselves what's going on. What's happening is a lot of times we're having experience now that we're matching with something that happened a long time ago. Let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and somebody's not hearing what you're saying, right? They aren't getting it. And it's like, I get so mad and I want to throw something, right? What is happening inside of you is you're attaching this feeling of they're not hearing me. They're not going to understand me. There's That's fear. That's like, I'm scared. They're not going to hear me. Well, in your past, in our history, when we have trauma, any kind of trauma, whether it's big T, little t, emotional trauma, it wasn't safe when we felt fear. Like we felt fear and it wasn't safe. And so your autonomic nervous system kicks in, which is your fight, flight, or free. There's technically two, but really three parts to it. One is the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight. So that's the one that like revs your engine. And that's what was being kicked in when you felt that rage. The other part is the parasympathetic, and that's like your break. So if you want to describe it easily, it's like your sympathetic is your inhale and your parasympathetic is your exhale. So your inhale revs you up and gets you going. It's like, I gotta fight, I gotta fly, I gotta do something. And the parasympathetic calms you down and slows you down. So what happened in that situation is your body started like, I remember what fear feels like and it's not safe and I'm mad and I got to do something. And so that throwing your coffee down, is like, I got to do something. I got to fight when
0: really you weren't really safe. Yeah, I was totally safe. But again, I feel like my feelings were valid mm-hmm. and I didn't throw the coffee, which was good progress. Mm-hmm. I, I felt calm even though my reaction was all of those things, mm-hmm. I, re- I was able to stay calm. So mm-hmm. is that the progress?
1: Yeah. So that's this the is, goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is something that's just happening for you naturally, which is great. So the third part of that, that autonomic nervous system is, the vagus nerve. So there's something called polyvagal theory, which brings in the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is something that is in your brain and it runs into the rest. It connects your organs, like your stomach and your lungs and all these things. So it connects your body to your brain. So that's why when we feel emotions, we don't just like think, Oh, I'm scared. Like our body changes. So what you did is you kicked in that system because you're breathing more intentionally. I know you've talked about breathing and breath a lot. And so you, you calm yourself down. You envisioned yourself doing that and you calmed yourself down. So you didn't have to act out because you told yourself, Hey, Hey, like I'm actually okay. I'm feeling fear, which is okay. Fear. Isn't always something that comes in when there's an actual threat to like my life or my safety. Sometimes fear comes in when we really care about something. So if something's happening and it's not going the way you want it to go and you start getting afraid, that's okay. That's okay that you're afraid. It's cluing you into like, hey, this is important to me. I need to address this. You don't need to run away. You don't need to shut down. You don't need to fight. You need to be able to communicate.
0: Well, and just for people that might hear big T, little T, if they've never heard that before, can you just define what that is? The
1: big T trauma is like a trauma that like when I give somebody paperwork when they're coming to be a new client, it says, have you ever experienced trauma? Like 70% of people will say no. And then within like two sessions, they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have trauma. Because we think of trauma as big T trauma, these big shock life events, like a death, a natural disaster, being deployed, like war, a big, big serious illness, sexual abuse, physical abuse, any of that would be like this, these big event things. That's what we normally think about as trauma and that's big T trauma. The little T trauma is the more emotional trauma. So that's something that they might be smaller events, but they usually happen more than once, or they're a continual. Experience and they can be just as damaging depending on like where you are, your attachment system, and all that. So, that could be something like just emotional abandonment. It can look like emotional abuse that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, like
0: gaslighting, end of relationship. A lot of people, yes, have some sort of Mm -hmm. trauma, but it might be little t, even if they haven't experienced a big t, and it's still going through the filter. And the main thing I wanted to get across by sharing this is that. If people are on the, the outweigh journey, you know, and the reason why we named the series Outweigh is because a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And... Lisa and I were real intentional about that. But you know, some people are just now finding the series and starting to listen to it. And by no means, if you listen to those four episodes, does that mean you're on some journey to ending your disordered habits with food or your body or whatever? But if it does motivate you in some way, shape or form to make a change, Mm -hmm. then you're on a journey. And eventually once you get there, if you have been where I was, when you're in it, you're numbing all your feelings. And it may not be an eating disorder. Maybe what are some other other examples of ways people numb their feelings?
1: I mean, it can be with literally anything. You can do it with food. You can do it with substances. You can do it with work. You can do
0: it with shopping, sex. If you have been numbing your feelings and then, but I'm using the eating disorder as a journey because a lot of you have listened to Outweigh. And if maybe you're putting in the work now and you, that heavy weight, those shackles start to be lifted from you, then you're on another journey, which is where I am mm-hmm. of dealing with all these feelings that come up that you were able to suppress with whatever, you know, insert the vice.
1: It's hard, like that's one of the hardest parts when like you've decided I'm not gonna use these things anymore, but then I have to feel this stuff and I don't know what the heck's happening. That's like one of the toughest spaces to be in because it was pretty comfortable to be able to be like, I don't wanna feel this rage, I'm gonna ignore all this. I'm gonna go use a behavior. And you're in the process of getting to that next point, so.
0: (laughs) So mine went from numbing it to then feeling it, to wanting to deal with the feelings and throwing things felt really good to now being able to have a more calm response Mm -hmm. and to not act on the desire to throw Mm -hmm. something and then process the feelings properly like an adult. I think you said that to me during the session, the other day you were like you know like an adult should and I thought yes <laughs> adulting is hard but yes that's a really good point because I explained to you I felt like yeah. when I'm in those moments I feel like a child and yeah I'm okay 40
1: right so I that's I think an important part and you asked to talk about the screen and one I want I want to say about trauma when I define it to people I say trauma is anything that's less than nurturing so if it wasn't nurturing, it could have you could have experienced that as trauma. And so you mentioned the screens, and I don't know how much people here that are listening know about that, but that's what I think of as like these belief systems that we create based on our experiences throughout our lives. And so the other day when you wanted to throw the coffee, how old did you feel?
0: Yeah, toddlerish.
1: Yeah, and so that's when you, if you can have space to take a second, which you did, and exhale a little bit before you throw the coffee, you can look and see like I feel like a kid. Okay. But I'm 39, so whatever's going on isn't happening right now. This is the 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever age that I had that desire to shut off my feelings because feelings weren't safe. That's the experience that I'm having right now. And I have to pull myself into the present, tell myself, hey, like, I'm okay right now. There might just be something I need to say or express to somebody. So thank you, feelings, for popping up and letting me know that I need to do something. But I'm not dying. Nobody's leaving me. Everything's okay, and I'm going to like move through this.
0: So, yeah, and this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. or just giving y'all a peek inside of what's to come. So hopefully if you're experiencing any of that, this little conversation was helpful for you. You know, Catherine's doing the whole episode, and the next thing that we're going to get into is boundaries because I think that that also came up in a recent session and I thought you know this could be helpful for people to understand their own and other people's as well Mm -hmm. and why we may have them and how it's okay to have them so we'll get into that next then shop for grill master things. If your dad loves to golf, then you can go to the gift list that is for the golfer. I mean, really, Macy's has thought of it all. If you have a tech-savvy dad, voila, Macy's Gift Finder. Again, has you covered with that. Top gifts include Beats headphones, JBL portable speakers, Nintendo Switch, and more top brands such as Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Polo Ralph Lauren, Columbia, and more. Really, Macy's has it all, so don't be a last-minute shopper. Father's Day is June 16th. Make sure to check out Macy's.com slash to find a unique gift they'll love. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. From searching online to asking your friends and family, there are a lot of ways to look for jobs. But have you considered finding your next job through a staffing company? Your local Express Employment Professionals team is your one connection to endless job opportunities with just one application. They can help you find a job at a company that fits your needs. Visit expresspros.com. And as always, Express never charges job seekers a fee. Express knows when companies are hiring, offers benefits and competitive pay. And in just one interview, they are prepared to present you to multiple companies who fit your needs. Express Employment Professionals places people in all kinds of jobs including everything from customer service to warehouse jobs to accounting and IT roles. Let Express help you. And remember, there is never a fee for job seekers. Go to ExpressPros.com to get started and discover for yourself what it's like to have support in your job search. You can also start through the Express Jobs app. Download it today to search jobs, apply, and contact your local Express office. In every pair of Takova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. Now, the best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile— visit Tacovas.com, that's t-e-c-o-v-a-s dot com and don't go gently y'all second thing So something I used to do to my daughter was really try to force conversation, especially in the morning. And I would get my feelings hurt if she didn't want to engage with me, or I thought she didn't like me, or I thought, and if you're new to the podcast, we adopted two kids about two and a half years ago, and she's older. She's 13 now. She was 10 when she got here. So having a relationship with her is really important. The first year was very rocky, but now we have a better relationship and I don't push those conversations anymore because she's been able to open up to me and say, Mom, nothing's wrong with me. I just don't want to talk right now. (laughs) And so as I've been learning about boundaries and trying to learn mine for myself and even others, I now have that respect for her boundaries and I try to honor that. And it's so much easier because I know that it's not this like list of reasons that she doesn't like me and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. blah. And I have this whole fake story in my head. And then now I'm have no relationship with my daughter That's and great. she hates being here. Yes. I take it through that filter of nobody likes me. But now that I've had this conversation with her and I better understanding her boundaries, it's so much better. And we have better talks because I know when to wait for the right time. And so let's just talk about why boundaries are important. And let's start with, I know I gave the Stashira one as an example, which is somebody else in my life, but let's talk about why it's important to create boundaries for yourself, which Stashira did. And she's only 13, so way to go.
1: Well, and you're talking, yeah, you're talking about two different kinds of boundaries. So these internal boundaries, and then there are boundaries within like relationships and family systems. So through your process, what have you noticed about what it feels like To set a boundary and what you get from setting a boundary.
0: Is it a form of self care? It can be, yeah.
1: So, boundaries really are things that like help essentially train people how to treat us. So, our boundaries help us form the kinds of relationships that we want to form. So if I don't have any boundaries, one, I'm going to probably end up being pretty resentful, but I'm also probably not going to have a very good sense of self because that's sending the message that my needs don't matter. And my job is to like be to other people what other people need me to be. And so when we build boundaries, what we're doing is like building a sense of self. That's when it's like internal boundaries. And that's why boundaries are hard because you're fighting through those messages, right? And there's a lot of things that might pop up. Well, if I set this boundary, this person won't like me anymore. If I set this boundary, then nobody will, will need me. Or if I set this... In, Those all come from old belief systems that we're trying to retrain.
0: I'm sure Stashira has her own things and feel like she should be here to speak for herself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to say anything on her end. And and what I'm even sharing isn't anything that she would mind. But her being able to know, is it like as children, are we better at being able to express what we want? Or is that case by case? Because I'm like, how was she able to just in such an easy way be able to say, hey, mom, you've done nothing wrong. I like talking to you. Sometimes I just don't wanna talk, especially in the mornings. Is that her just being super wise or are kids just better at it?
1: I think it can be both. So we develop how we set our boundaries based on our experiences. And so I can't speak to why she's doing that specifically for her because it could be that she just knows herself very well or it could be that she's learning about what her needs are and then implementing them. But when we are born, we're born pretty egotistical thinking that the world revolves around us and that our needs always are the ones that should be met. And then life hits us and then things shift. And so I think it can be both. But I think what's important to know is what you're doing for her and for your own growth by respecting her boundary.
0: Yeah. And I think as parents, sometimes that's hard because we're the parents Mm -hmm. and this is our house. So mm-hmm. if I want to talk to you, you're going to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So what what does that look like for parents to try to understand? And this could be in any relationship, mm-hmm. but this is just yeah. an example of like yeah. what it can do for a relationship when you respect the boundary.
1: Okay. So my first question is when somebody says, I don't want to talk about it, what do you feel?
0: Well, I feel like maybe they don't trust me. So what's that feeling? Like they don't like me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's a thought. Um, Oh, that's a thought. Dang it. What's the feeling? Rejection? What's the feeling? I'm trying not to give this to you. I don't want you to give it to me. I'm trying to understand. (laughs) Okay. So if the
1: thought is she doesn't like me, what is the emotion?
0: Sad. Is that
1: not the right sad? No, no. It's going to be sad. Like, I can't, I don't know what you're feeling. So if it's sad, what you're doing by, like, poking her, please tell me, like, are you sure you don't want to talk about it? Are you sure? Well, why don't we go, like, sit on the couch and we can talk about it? And she's like, I'm good. I'm oh, yeah. good. I used well, to do that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So she, what you're doing is you're getting your needs met by her. It's that's when, like, the parent forces the child to take care of them. When really, it's okay for you to feel sad. Well, dang it, I feel sad. That's bringing up a story in my head that she doesn't like me. I need to go fix that because she never said that. She just said, like, she doesn't want to talk. And that's Okay. So, when you, res- when you don't respect that, what you're doing is you're telling her that she's responsible for your feelings. And you're creating this like enmeshed system where there aren't boundaries. Her boundaries are not respected. And so she either loses trust in you or she's going to learn- lose trust within her own ability to set boundaries. Mm. Now, for you, if you get, if that happens and every time she's tried to set a boundary, and you poke, poke, poke until she finally answers you, well, then you're not being forced to look at what's going on in you, so it's actually hurting your process, too. Rather than, I need to go soothe myself and figure out my own stuff and give her space, and she, when she wants to talk to me, I trust that she will come to me. Yeah. So you both are learning to trust each other.
0: What if someone was... You know, starting Boundaries 101, like they're hearing this and they're like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I don't know if I set boundaries for myself or whoa, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I respect people's boundaries in my family or in... Mm -hmm people that I have relationships with. Is there a place to start or how do you start the process? I mean, I think yeah. for other people, maybe you start to look for ways that you try to push a situation and really look mm-hmm. at how someone is reacting and then try to respect that. But then in, in your own self, I think that's the harder part, but you can speak to that part too. I'm just assuming, Yeah. but then in our own selves, like if we wanted to start, I don't know, is it something that you encourage people to journal through? or answer any particular questions because Mm -hmm. I feel like it might be a little hard for people to identify what their boundaries even are. Right, because I think
1: a lot of times In our like unhealthy minds, we just don't have boundaries or we have so many boundaries that we don't even have boundaries. We just have like a big brick wall up. So I think that something, if somebody's like, wait a second, what does this mean? What are boundaries? Do I have them? Do I not have them? Something to ask yourself is like when you're in relationship with somebody and you're either doing for or asking for, like what are the things that are coming up for you? Do you find yourself always saying yes? Do you find yourself always saying no? Are you afraid to ask for help? Are you afraid to open up to people? Do you tell everybody everything? Those are the kind of questions I would ask. And if you have like really stark black and white answers, then I think that it would be worth something to maybe talk to somebody. Boundary work is freaking hard, like very hard. Okay,
0: welcome to boundary work. (laughs) But I mean, uh, I'm glad you're honest about it, and and it is. I'll even speak to that. That's why I said earlier, for me, it's a form of self-care because, well, without details, I had it incident recently where I didn't realize it was a boundary thing that Catherine told me oh no no Amy that's you setting a boundary and it was also something that was taking care of myself so that seems appropriate to me yeah. like making sure that you're mm-hmm. looking out for yourself and that's what a boundary can do
1: an example because the reason I say it's hard is because it's kind of it's something that I don't want people to look at and be like well I'll never do that or I'll never have that all right or that seems like a lot and I say it's hard because it's a process that it's okay to be working on it for a long period of time. I'm a therapist and I still work on it. So I shared with you an example of like how because I was explaining why rage isn't always like, ah, I'm screaming, yelling. It can be passive aggressive too and quiet and covert. And so in one of my relationships, I am somebody who like really likes people to like do the soothing for me. Like I don't like to go take care of myself and figure out and sit with my feelings either. I like constant communication. I like to know what's going on. I like to have certain things set the way I like to have them. And in my relationship, I wasn't getting the um, attention that I wanted from the person I was dating. And so I, in my own story and my own screen started feeling, you don't like me. You're going to break up with me. You don't think I'm worth your time. Like all of these things started to come up and I started to feel a lot of, well, rage, but so it was really a fear. But it, my rage doesn't come out in yelling. I don't yell very often.
0: I get... Or short. throwing. You mean throwing? You throw, oh, throw. <laughs> yeah. throw. Because I'm I like, wait, things. wait, wait. To <laughs> clear things up, I don't really yell either. I want to throw <laughs> something. But people listening, they may want to yell. So they it might not matter.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I don't do that i get like almost like i get quiet and i try to like halfway kill them with kindness but also get my point across and so what was happening in the relationship is somebody was setting a boundary with me like hey i can't talk to you all the time i need some space like i'm not going to be available or i have to go spend me time that's really what it was like i have to go and spend me time and i got oh you don't want to spend more time with me and so what i ended up doing is after he was done having his me time and he was like hey like i'm done like do you want to hang out tomorrow and and make some plans and i just responded i don't know like idk period Send."
0: (laughs) so young of you idk
1: (laughs) you should be asking how old did you feel (laughs) and then he said okay well like if you're free like let me know. I'd love to spend some time with you. And I send a text back that's like, I don't know if I'm going to be free. I might have to have some me time tomorrow, like a child. And so anyway, that's been an expression that like, he's setting a boundary and I'm like wanting to force him to like take care of my needs. I feel scared that you don't love me. I need you to tell me all the time that you love me. And he's like, you need to relax. I'm having time for myself. I'm not in charge of your feelings. I'll see you tomorrow. But if I would have just taken care of my feelings and and sat in it and figured out like this isn't him, he didn't do anything, this is this person when I was 15, we could bypass that. I say that because, one, I want people to know that It's okay for this to be an evolving process. We all have moments like that. And sometimes when people are taking care of themselves, it comes off as like, they don't like me, they don't want to be with me. But sometimes when people are taking care of themselves, it's just setting a boundary and that's okay for them to do. Just like it's okay for us to set boundaries for ourselves too.
0: That's a great example of the boundaries, but also another example of rage coming through as passive-aggressive, which was what we talked about in the first thing. But how do you come back from that? Like you sent the Mm -hmm. passive-aggressive notes. So then when do you come to realize like, oh, that was fear? Like, when did you process Mm -hmm. it? In that situation pretty
1: quickly. And then I was like, Catherine, get, pull yourself together. And I breathed. And so I explained what happened. This is what happened. I'm sorry. I'm going to work on that. And so the next time something like that happened, pretty much the same, same thing. What happened is I felt like a wave of heat over my body and kind of like when you're like envisioning wanting to throw that cup of coffee, I this wave of heat and I had that Oh, cat! Like your threat response is coming up. Your sympathetic nervous system is revving, getting ready to go. You need to exhale a little bit. You need to tell your body that everything is okay. And so I did, and I breathed a little bit. And then I was like, I need to go, like move my body and like kind of like just settle down a little bit. So I went outside and I like pick weeds in my yard. And then an hour later, I was fine and I was able to be like, I didn't need to reach out to him. I'm okay. He's okay. Everything's fine, let's move forward. And so we can have moments like that, they can be teaching moments, and then the next time we can figure out, oh, now I know what's going on.
0: So Catherine, I've been talking about not using you when you're in a confrontation mm-hmm. or an argument and try to turn it to, I feel this way when, and it's come up a few different times in a couple of episodes, I think a Q&A and then a four things. And then I got this email from a school counselor and I thought it was really helpful mm. for anybody that is trying to implement this. And I love that she's using this with kids. And then I want you to speak to the importance of, you know, trying to insert your feelings instead of pointing the finger at what someone's doing. So here's what she wrote. Hey, Amy, I'm an elementary school counselor and a relatively new listener to your podcast, about six months. I was listening to your recent episode on not using you in hard conversations and wanted to share with you that at my school and my lessons, I teach all the students, K through six, about I messages. It goes like this. I feel blank when insert the situation. And I would like to insert what you would like to have happen next. For example, I feel sad when I don't get a turn. I would like to have a turn. As you were saying, it takes it off the other person and you are owning and sharing your feelings. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, thank you school counselor, Terry for emailing this and just affirming that the right way to handle it Mm -hmm. and that probably learning it as a kid is so much better than trying to learn it as an adult, especially when we're in relationships as adults and there's things that come up where it's really easy to say you, 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 you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not even in a a romantic relationship, it's in a friendship or a work relationship where it's you, you, Mm -hmm. you, you, you. So how important do you feel that Mm -hmm. it is to speak this way? (laughs) Very important. I love that you
1: have this email for this episode because this is like boundary setting. Like this is boundary setting 101. When I work with clients around this stuff, I call it intentional dialogue. And for adults, what I would add for people who are trying to like figure out their, their stuff is I feel blank when blank the story I'm making up in my head or the judgment I'm creating is blank. So then you're going that extra step and being able to say like, oh, the story I'm making up is that you don't like me or that I'm not important or my feelings don't matter. So you're going one extra step there. So I love this. I think if we could all do a little bit more intentional dialogue, we would get our needs met more and other people would also get their needs met
0: more. And it just eases up the hard conversation. Mm -hmm. It automatically makes it lighter. It can still be a serious conversation, but without the weight of, because the other person doesn't feel attacked. Without defensive, they need to be defensive.
1: Because in reality, a lot of times when we do stuff like that, the person on the other side, a lot of times, not always, didn't mean to evoke that situation, right? So if we can come at it as like, I'm making up this story because of X, Y, Z, then they can be like, oh, I get, I understand you more. Like, I now am understanding you more. Next time I can I can kind of shift my behavior. Or next time maybe you just need to take a break and be able to understand what's going on a little bit better.
0: Take notes, people. Four
1: with Amy Brown.
0: Okay, I've got an email from a listener and she said, Hey, Amy, I was wondering if you could give me some advice. I'm a single mom of two boys, 16 and 12. My last relationship was incredible, but cut short. Unfortunately, my boyfriend passed away suddenly in April of 2018. I haven't dated since, and I think I'm ready to put myself back into the world and see what happens. My question is, I still have his pictures up in my bedroom and my office as a daily reminder of him. I will always love him, but I'm wondering if I should pack them away for safekeeping. I feel like if I do find someone that I'm interested in, it may be uncomfortable for them to come to my house and see them. What do you think about me either leaving them out and explaining or packing them away and keeping his memory in my heart? I hope you can give me your thoughts as I'm torn what to do. So Catherine, I'm going to defer to you to answer this. And I saved this question for (laughs) when I would have you on because I feel like grief is something that's super sensitive. And I really felt for her when she sent this email and I wanted to make sure she got the best answer possible. And (laughs) I thought that that would be from you.
1: The truth is, I think you could answer this just because there's not a right or wrong answer. There's not a right way to grieve, a right way to move on, and there's not a wrong way. I would first encourage her to think about and check in with herself and do what feels right to her and be very cautious about making the decision based on how someone else might feel in the future. I think we get weary about like the grieving process and what's the right way to do it, and the truth is it's a very nonlinear process. There's stages, but they're all over the place. And there's not like an end point. We don't like, oh, I'm going to grieve this person. And at this point, it'll be over and done. Like you can be grieving for the rest of your life and at the same time still have great other relationships and be able to move on. So just because you want to see this person's picture and you want to remember them doesn't mean that you aren't able to have another relationship and if you know that and you feel like you're ready to move on then that's not your job to have to essentially take care of somebody else's feelings about seeing somebody who is special in your life there's a difference in like refusing to move on and refusing to move through the grieving process and holding yourself in that and accepting that I'm in grief and be sad and then have joy as well You can have both of those emotions, sadness, joy, happiness, at the same time. That's something I think that I would want more people to be able to, like, understand and hear more often, that you can have conflicting emotions at one time.
0: Maybe you haven't lost a boyfriend like she did, but you wrestle with holding on to something else that belonged mm-hmm. to your mom or your dad or your yeah. sister or your brother, somebody, a best friend, somebody that you lost and you don't know how you should be grieving it and where should you put your thing, their things and mm-hmm. should you put them away or is, does it cause sadness for you to see it every day? Does it make you happy to see it every day? Mm-hmm. I wear my mom's wedding ring sometimes and she has a little pinky ring And I love being able to look down and see that. Mm -hmm. But for somebody else, they may look down and it may Mm -hmm. cause too much sadness so they don't want to wear it. But for me, I know it's safe for me to wear it.
1: Well, yeah. And I think you said this one time on, I think one of the episodes that probably was the outweigh one. when people are grieving, they feel like they can't also be happy. They feel like that's not what people who are like, if I miss my mom or if I miss my boyfriend, if I'm sad that he passed away, then I can't be happy. And, and that's actually not true. You can be both. Totally. So to answer her question,
0: do what you want to do.
1: What feels right to you?
0: So just whatever feels right to you. That's important to remember probably for a lot of us and a lot of things in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. This sun season, evolve your sun care with new Banana Boat 360 coverage. With Advanced Control Mist, it's a new way to spray it's an all new bottle for an all new mist experience that smells great and is incredibly light on your skin you can even customize your spray like to cover targeted areas you just tap the trigger lightly or you can pull the trigger fully for a long continuous spray ensuring long lasting banana boat protection plus it's refillable from sweat resistant sport formula to kids spf 50 plus this is sun care that'll come in handy when my kids are swimming, playing sports, when I'm hiking, when we're out at the lake, or whatever it is that we're doing outdoors. Shop Banana Boat 360 Mist at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, And don't go gently, y'all. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you